0: episode 38 of room 9 is here and this is gonna be the quickest intro ever this is one from the vaults i sat down with matt a little bit ago and i had to pull one out because i am had a laid back kind of week got my kids in town for another few weeks and i'm just enjoying my time with them but i am going to continue to provide you with all the room 9 services that you always get (laughs) anywho episode 38 i'm with matt we talk about a bunch of stuff, a lot about self talk and how it's important to really be kind to ourselves and learn how to develop self love and self compassion and stay out of self pity. So, other than that, I'm going to get you right to it. As always, contact page, hit it up, support page, hit it up. Help us out. Give us some likes on the old Facebook and Instagram and all that other jazz on the social media sites. And other than that, I will go back to enjoying my children and working. And getting stuff done. And I will be in touch with you guys. In the next week. Alright. As always I love you guys. Later.
1: Thank you for listening to Room 9, My Daddy's Podcast. Hope you enjoy. If you would like to help Room 9, please visit their support page. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9. If you better yourself, you better the world.
0: Wait a minute. You're showing sure a Oh, you better believe that. How are you going to know? Think about that one. Uh, you're, you're showing the no That's the whole thing. That's what separates
1: taken a Claritin before. Do I sound stuffed up? Mm, Not so much.
0: Do I sound normal? No, not when you yell (laughs) like that, no. (laughs) I love that. So you just let me know if you need me turned up in the the old Um, headphones. No, I can hear you. Maybe
1: turn me up a little in my own headphone. That's right. Hello. Check one, two. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds good. Right there. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. For some reason, right around this time of day, I just get exhausted. Do you? Especially if I watch Jeopardy, I'll fall right to
0: sleep. <laughs> Most people do fall asleep when they watch Jeopardy. <laughs>
1: it's like the old person. This is pre bed nap.
0: <laughs> I do. Honestly, I'd like taking a nap, like even if it's 15, 20 minutes between like three and five o'clock.
1: Oh, that'd be great. That's usually when the day's winding down. You hit that wall, mm. boom, mm-hmm.
0: nap time. Oh, sometimes Generally. it feels good. Dude. Yeah,
1: it was great actually, because then that was the day I took my car to the wrecker and did all that.
0: I yeah, I find honestly I get more done if I sleep in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've really started noticing the importance of sleep. Yeah,
1: I did a checkup, a medical yesterday or two days ago, Tuesday, and they said uh, you really need to get a CPAP. Because that's probably why I'm tired all the time. Which Megan's been saying the same thing. I think I have sleep apnea because I wake up a lot. I snore pretty heavily. Really? Oh, that sucks. I wake up probably four times a night. Which is great because then I just, you know, eat some ice cream or... Which (laughs) is... I feel like that's an addictive behavior. I brought it up in my last counseling session, actually. Yeah, I would say so. I've done that every once in a while. Oh, it gets out of hand with me, though, dude, because it'll start off with like, oh, I'm going to munch a handful of goldfish, and then it's like, I need this two-pound bag
0: of goldfish <laughs> in me before
1: 3.30, <laughs> or I can go back to bed.
0: It is. I wake up sometimes, and I am i haven't done it for the last time because I've tried to stop it, mm. but sometimes I'll just wake up and eat ice cream or something. Right. Like, what the hell is wrong right, with me? Sitting there on the couch at 3.30 in the morning yeah. and just eating a bowl of ice Half cream. Half asleep. Like, it doesn't even Seriously. make any sense.
1: I don't know what it is, and I was going to—I brought it up at the end of my counseling session, but my uh, counselor was like, yeah, let's talk about that. It's good that you brought that up. (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things. It's like one uh, an addictive behavior that I've always noticed prior to any relapse is— waking up in the middle of the night. And I don't know if it's because I'm stressed out or it's because of the sleep apnea, but whatever it is, I wake up and then I eat food and go back to bed. And it contributes a lot to when I gain weight too, because that's what happens. It it really does get out of hand and I start eating way too much. And then your body's just storing all that as fat. And you go lay right back down. Right. You just sleep and it stores every single bit of it as fat. So I don't know if it's just I don't know, a symptom or if it's a cause. I have no idea. So I want to dissect that with her.
0: I Well, I I start to wonder, I feel like every human being has some kind of behavior along those lines in one way, shape, or form. Right. And I start to wonder, is it something we ever really can get rid of completely? Or is it just, you know, as far as in, in them going beyond just addicts, like every human being has something that they do that is like a coping mechanism that you could imply it to be a addictive behavior. Yeah. Oh, like the lifestyle or whatever. Like I think of the eating thing. I think of the energy drinks. Like I found myself, I have this energy drink now, and I found myself, oh, I'm going to wait to have it right before the podcast that I do with Matt later on. You right. Know? So right. I try to get
1: that little kick. It's crazy. And that's what like my dad or probably all of our parents do with coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's just it. And do you need
0: to get rid of them? There's another thought, too. That's, that's kind of what I was going to get at. You know what I mean? Cause is it necessary? To, like, is it something that we should be hard on ourselves about as far as I need to change this? Well, here's a major difference is you're not going to destroy your life because you
1: can't get your coffee in the morning. Yes, exactly. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a big difference. But is it something that we should really be somebody in recovery? Is it something we should be, like, focused on completely? Like, I got to stop that.
1: I guess maybe focusing on it as a small thing to keep yourself hyper aware of larger things, you know, to keep the devil at the door, as they say, so that you're not like you don't slip into complacency, let's say, Mm. because that for me is another huge thing. Like as soon as I... I'm kind of worried about like going off of the shot and everything and not having to go to outpatient because what that always breeds in me is just total complacency. And then I get to a point where it's like four months after I've been to an outpatient appointment and I'm smoking weed every night again, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. I just had that discussion when I went camping with Christine because something I think I might do in the future, I'm not like, it's not like I have a set date where right now I'll do it, like smoking weed. But that's the one thing I said. I don't want to go back to doing that every day. Right. And
1: it's becoming more acceptable. Example, I saw it on the side of a label, like a prescription drug label. It said like, you know how it's always they've always had like this drug may cause drowsiness. Alcohol may intensify this effect. Now it says alcohol and marijuana may intensify this effect. So it is it is getting normalized. It's becoming normalized and people are not frowning upon it like almost at all anymore. I don't think I've met anyone in the past year or so really who's like dead set against it there is a minority that is still obviously the ultra right i'm sure is probably still against it but it is being viewed as an herbal supplement as a medication i think it's totally shifted from the propaganda that we saw way back when
0: to oh it definitely now, has you know which those were all lies anyway oh my gosh it's crazy i was talking to somebody about the other dude the plant itself like even the hemp plant mm-hmm it's like an alien plant, bro. Like yeah. the things that cannabis that can do are out of this world. Yeah, it is. And really that goes cool. well above and beyond talking about it in a medicinal sense. Right. Just the the hemp plant in an industrial sense is unbelievable. Yeah. It lasts forever. It's mm-hmm. lighter. It's stronger, and lighter than steel.
1: Yeah, and it had a lot to do with like the propaganda way back in the day. It had a lot to do with uh, a lot of interest in the timber industry, where hemp was like mm-hmm. en- encroaching upon that. So they were like, "No, we William, can't have what this." What was his name?
0: William Randolph Hearst, right? I, I believe, believe his so. name is.
1: Maybe that sounds right. Yeah, Let's and go and with he
0: it. started all that propaganda yeah. about it being the the blacks and the Mexicans. Yeah, racist propaganda. Yeah, it's crazy. No less. So that's what that's what a lot of this stigma
1: against marijuana is built on is like racist propaganda from the fifties or before even I would say. Which is crazy to think about. It's two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. But I and mean there's still people who grew up who were influenced, I guess you could say, by people who were in their prime during that time period. So like our parents would have been influenced by our grandparents who were in their prime during when time. racism was a thing when you know ultra right was probably just kind of middle of the road in our country
0: yeah it's insane to me dude i don't get how people don't educate themselves and i get there there are like safety precautions
1: yeah and i know like for sure there has been studies that say if you're
0: predisposed to schizophrenia yeah like there's you can that. Cause that there's
1: also like you you shouldn't do it as a teenager which obviously you know you what shouldn't I mean? be doing any You shouldn't drugs, be, yeah. I would say, kind of stay away from caffeine as a teenager because mm-hmm. any of that, like your brain is still developing. You don't want to do anything like that that's going to make it, give your brain a crutch really is kind of what you're doing. If you, I don't know, if my parents never let me drink coffee when I was a kid. No. I don't think I started. I don't think I had any
0: desire to, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, my dad always used to drink it and he drank it really like sweet. So I would always want to drink some, but I was never allowed until...
0: I don't know, I was probably...
1: Actually, I think I moved out, and that's when I started drinking coffee. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's bizarre. And, like, yeah, I don't think your frontal ro- lobe is done developing until your early 20s yeah that's absolutely accurate so there's they say that if you smoke it while that's developing
1: obviously it stunts your learning ability Mm -hmm. which that makes perfect sense i think there are a lot of other things that would do that too which is why you can't drink until you're 21 you know so i say yeah more power to you making sure that it doesn't get in the hands of children just like tobacco or alcohol but i think to totally outlaw like there was a time recently where it was even illegal to do research on it that's right mm-hmm. nothing
0: was changing with it And i just listened to a huge podcast on um all these these big um i don't want to say necessarily scientists but people from uh john hopkins university and all that okay did this conference on hallucinogenics and you know therapy and stuff right and they were just talking about how they're finally allowed to start doing research again with this which is great. And it's, oh, it's going to be insane, man. It's I'm super pumped for it because you got a lot of people who are doing it in a very intelligent way, using it correctly the way it should be used because mm-hmm. I've always been a proponent of it. And I think it's such a, I mean, it's going to be such an amazing tool to help people oh, with yeah. depression, mm-hmm. with PTSD. I mean, with seizures, I think is another one. With, oh, that's, yeah, CBD, I know helps a lot with that. But just, yeah, with um, mescaline, MDMA, psilocybin, there's just so many crazy, amazing tools if they're used correctly. Mm-hmm. And as long as, obviously, we can't ignore some of the downsides of it, but, I mean, that's just precaution. You got to, I mean, that's with everything. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. You, you can't take, you take too much blood pressure medication. <laughs> yeah. And that's the <laughs> you're thing. You're in trouble. A
1: lot of times you're trading a cure for additional side effects that, you know, are outweighed by the benefits, but you got to be careful about that. And that's something that you Mm -hmm. and your doctor have to weigh out. Is it worth it? You know, for example, if you're going to go get chemo, you're going to be sick as hell, Mm -hmm. but is it worth it to get rid of the cancer? Yeah. Usually that's the decision people make. Yeah. I don't know. I think as addiction medicine develops, we need to be more open-minded and obviously get away from the abstinence view and start moving towards the harm reduction view
0: which i think it's coming out because i think these self-help groups like aa and na are when it comes to opiate addiction are failing miserably yeah they're absolutely. failing miserably and people are looking for something else that's helping mm-hmm. and i've heard you know there's a lot of people that i've had on the show that you know are really are like we have enough you know medical assisted treatment stuff out there I don't think we need to add cannabis to it, but um, at the same time, there's a lot of people who Suboxone hasn't worked for. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that Methadone hasn't worked for, Mm -hmm. and I think it's important that we take all pathways and legalize everything, and whatever works for somebody can work for somebody.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. There's no reason to say, oh, we have enough.
0: That's not... I mean, I don't feel like you can have too much.
1: Yeah, that's a cop-out, I think.
0: Because everybody's so different, and... There was a study, but it kind of like they didn't really get to do the long follow up on it. Right. But that was done in the seventies with L S D and heroin addiction and it was just unbelievable. Wow. The people who were able to get clean after three sessions yeah. with LSD. And like I said, they weren't I think that's when the rug got pulled out from underneath it and you know the government shut everything down. Yeah. It was just it's crazy, man. The, the beautiful tools that are out there that have this stigma attached to it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's thanks to all those hippies in the 70s.
0: Yeah, they really screwed that Big up, 60s and 70s. like so You guys should have sat the <laughs> next few plays out there and calmed yeah. down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ.
1: Definitely a little too much.
0: So, it's, yeah. Um, it's nuts. But, yeah, welcome back to um, Room 9 thanks. again.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm, I'm loving it. I don't even it. think I have to introduce you anymore. No, your sister, that was funny. When she met me, she's like, I feel like I know your voice already, <laughs> like an old friend.
0: It's it's crazy how that happens, bro. Because I feel like that about the podcasts I love. Mm -hmm. These people I've never met, Sam Harris, right? And you know the people, very bad wizards I love, and yeah, obviously Joe Rogan experience I listen to when he has certain guests on a lot. Yeah, actually I've been listening to him for probably you know seven eight years now, and if you feel like it's weird because you do you feel like you know those people Mm -hmm. and they have no idea that you exist (laughs) yeah i mean it's
1: still cool though because you're having some sort of impact which is obviously what you've set out to do so i think as the show gains more traction too you're going to start to really get rewarded in that aspect Mm -hmm. you know you're going to see more and more people coming out of the woodwork and just randomly oh yeah i know all about your podcast and it's helped me with xyz you know
0: yeah i got a facebook message the other day from right. somebody like, hey, just want to let you know, I listen to your podcast all the time. I love it. That's great. And I'm like, all right, look, well, if you could donate because I'm completely broke, <laughs> I'm that'd be awesome. <laughs> I didn't say that to the him. The podcast but. is dying. But I love I love getting those messages. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love them.
1: And you got to keep yourself going with those, you know, because there is going to come a point where you're going to break through and money is not going to be an issue, but you really just got to push yourself through.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what I told you the, the car ride the other day about any business you start it's a roller coaster yeah. man should i be doing this is this gonna fail is this am i right. wasting my time right. and then you get high again and it's like all right yes, yeah so i'm gonna kick ass i'm never
1: stopping this ever yeah which is good because they say and i don't know if this is outdated information but i've always heard that five years or so is the time frame where you kind of struggle through with a small business. But if you can push through those
0: first Mm -hmm. five, it starts to become self-reliant and rewarding at that point. And seeing how I started in, what, eight, nine months ago, it's crazy growth, man. Oh, huge. Insane.
1: Yeah, that's what I, I was saying, too. Like, you... Look at yourself. Think about another eight months on top of it. Mm-hmm. You're growing in leaps and bounds. It's crazy. It's yeah. just gonna keep getting more and more. And just you know, keep doing little things like grabbing a mic here and upgrading your computer there. You know, and your sound is gonna get better. Your editing skills are gonna get better. I think the podcast is gonna just keep growing.
0: I mean, I put I listened to the like second episode not too long ago, and the sound quality seriously. Yeah. The f- <laughs> I'm like, holy was crap! Like
1: going through when was this like a month ago and i was like i'm just gonna make sure i know what's on every episode so i was just gonna listen to all of them and the first episode i was like okay i think i can kind of skim over this, this one <laughs> 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 now that it was like bad material it's just kind of hard to listen to oh, because compared of to now you know, yeah it's what night you were day. working with
0: so a crappy laptop
1: yeah, it's going to get better and better,
0: man. I mean, the crappy system, digital, audio, workstation, the right. Aud- free one, Audacity. I mean, I couldn't believe the difference when I got Adobe. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, this is awesome.
1: Well, and now that you're going to be working with Spectrum too, you're going to start to see a lot more support come from there because they have a, a circle of influence that you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to tap into just like you do with Horizon for a little while, which I'm sure Horizon still supports you in a big way too, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Ann's always there to back me up good which Which is is great and then
1: if you can get um you know save the michaels in there and spectrum i don't i think those are like the big three as far as recovery oh i guess uh best Best self self. right yeah
0: but other than that i think that is really it
1: that's kind of it for the area right i don't know what else they have there's you know what you might want to check into is the beacon center out lockport way okay and then jacasa is another one that's like orleans county way
0: renaissance center where's that isn't that part of Jakasa? Is it? I don't know. I have no I idea. Don't know.
1: But yeah, so Batavia, Albion, that's Jakasa, which is like Genesee Council on it alcohol and substance abuse that's actually in 2013 that's where i started going because i was living out that way oh yeah that's right and they put me on um suboxone and got me started on my journey which is great you know and they always recommended that i do what i did with uh horizon and get my mental health state checked out which i never did the first time
0: around i'm so glad i addressed that the second time around because mm. that's huge man that's that's it i think that's where where all the money lies as far oh as absolutely as- yeah in order to work on to really stop using or at least do the harm reduction thing and really change things it has to start from the inside man yeah it has to and i started reading this book and was sitting down with the dude to do a podcast moving past mediocre i believe the name of the book is oh that's cool but he is the first thing he talked about and it's awesome was awesome reading this. Was. He's like, this is the first thing you have to start doing. And it was funny because in jail, I remember it was the first thing I told myself, if I don't change this, I'm never going to be able to do anything else. And that is really like the self-talk. Yes. This how you how you talk to yourself. And Mm -hmm. like the example he uses is if I was eating a pizza every day and just sitting on the couch and getting fatter. It's easier to look at your actions and be like, I need to stop that. But it's so much more difficult to look at your thoughts and be like, I need to stop that. Mm. Because that's where it all like stems from. And if you start taking care of that, you can easily take care of the other things. But that's why it's so hard to continue the actual actions, the physical actions, because of the self-talk. So if I'm trying to quit eating pizza, but I'm not talking to myself right, mm-hmm. and I'm not encouraging myself and loving myself and all of those things, it's going to be so difficult because you screw up one little time, you're done. Yeah. You're going to hate yourself and be, you suck. You're never going right. to do this. You can't accomplish anything. You can't do nothing right. And yeah, it's like the number one place where change, I believe, starts is how are we talking to ourselves?
1: Yeah. For me, in that area, it started with just being easier on myself. Not necessarily even being nice to myself or encouraging myself, but just not being so
0: hard on myself mm-hmm. when I do make errors. Yeah. But that self-talk is, uh, I think, that one of the biggest keys to starting to change, starting to work on your habits. Because, what I mean, it's that stupid cliche saying, "If you don't love yourself. How right. can you love everybody right. else? Yeah. It's like, so if you don't have compassion with yourself, forgiveness with yourself, you can't. A, do it with anybody else and let alone be able to work on yourself and change yourself in the correct manner Yeah, in order to, in this case, that we people we're usually talking about are people who struggle with substance use. Right. And, and that's like the number one thing.
1: And it's something y- you can start right now where there's a lot of things where change becomes abstract and kind of grandiose where you're trying – to put together in your mind this huge plan, but it, you have to start with with something. And asking yourself, what is it that I can do right now to better myself? That's one of those things. Change your self-talk. It is. And, and start it's this moment like literally in this moment because someone might be sitting out there listening to this podcast for example right now
0: i'll start next week
1: right or and maybe they have things that they're supposed to be doing right but they've decided to take an hour out of their day for themselves because this is something that they enjoy for me that's a spot in my life where i could be really hard on myself and be like oh you've got all these other things to do how dare you take time out for yourself right so just changing that self-talk in this moment
0: is something that you can do to start to change yourself and it's and it doesn't matter how long it like takes you as far as even like noticing it because i remember when i first started doing it it was sometimes hours into this self-pity feeling sorry for myself negative thinking that i would notice wait i'm doing this again yeah, I mean it takes a little, it takes a while. Takes practice. Yeah. And I think in the book the, the author used the analogy of working out. Working out is such a great analogy for so many things. Mm-hmm. But he used the analogy of working out like when you first start lifting weights or start running on a treadmill, you don't see results that day. Mm-mm. Like you don't see results. I mean you can kind of feel them, be like, "All right, yeah, that was a good workout." Yeah. Cuz you're sore or what you're tired, whatever it is, but you don't see your body doesn't change immediately it takes a while to do it. And that I love that analogy because that's exactly what it is with your self-talk. You're not going to instantly turn around and start thinking positively. Right. Obviously, because you've probably have had decades of this negative oh, yeah. self-talk at least decades of mm-hmm. it. And it takes a long time to re, you know, rewire your brain to th- go to the more positive side.
1: Yeah, and I think if i were to have kids that would be something that i would probably try and instill in them is not only being nice to others but being kind to yourself Mm -hmm. you know self-compassion it's a beautiful thing
0: well i've been having that talk with both of my kids they're 12 and 7 right and you already see the self being self-conscious about things whether it was kayla with her drawing You know, with Jason, with any kind of like physical activities. Yeah. And it's like, but if you don't keep doing it and have confidence in yourself and keep being cool with sucking at it for a little bit. And that's what I think keeps us from doing it is we tell ourselves we suck at it and we don't want to even do it because we're scared to suck at it. Agreed. But anything in life that you do when you first start off, you're going to suck at it going back to this podcast. Mm hmm. And I'm, this is going to be probably episode 38 mm. and episode one, crappy sounding audio. The editing was nowhere near as good. And so look at how far I've come. Yeah. I have a long way to go. I have so much to learn sure. as we've just seen with this witnessing of it stopping recording. Like, I, right. I got to figure that out. But right. look at how far I've come. So, you know, with this podcast and yeah. the sound quality and just everything else. And it's just that's what it is. And that's why I love that Jordan Peterson, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not Mm. to somebody else's today, because I've used that for such a long time now to be like, all right, but look at how far you've come. Yeah, you got a long way to go, but look at how much change you have made since April 12, 2000 and what is it, 19, 2018. Mm -hmm. And that's where your encouragement comes in. Wait, I have done a lot of work. That's right. Right. But you wouldn't
1: want to compare yourself to Joe Rogan, for instance, because no, he's on an episode, 90 million downloads. He's on episode,
0: a month. what, 9000 or something? <laughs> what was the number? <laughs> he's at the uh, like, yeah, I think 1100, 1200.
1: Yeah. So that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Think about because if you were to r- compare yourself to him, how small 38 looks compared to 1200. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's insane. It's next to nothing. You're a fraction of the way to him. So if you ever started comparing yourself to him, you'd probably quit tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because you're like, I'm never <laughs> going to get there. How do I do, you know, 1,170 more episodes? Oh, you know? it's crazy. You can't. So you can say, well, you know what? I can do episode 39 and episode 40, and they're going to be better than 37 and 36, you know, so. That's
0: where it's at, baby. Absolutely. That's where change begins. And that's so important because we get so down on ourselves, dude. Yeah, We get so down on ourselves, and that's what keeps us from freaking doing anything. That's what kept me from doing anything creative, anything I've wanted to do my entire existence, mm-hmm. almost 34 years. Of consciousness on this planet I have always been scared to try Anything because of failing and thinking yeah. Oh I don't want anybody to think I suck at this
1: Yeah and you're, you don't want to look Bad because I don't know for some Reason our society tells us we always have To put on this image of like Being mm-hmm. competent and everything but You're not competent until You do something over and over and over and over And you fail at it a mm-hmm. few times One of my favorite quotes from uh, Walt Disney who's one of my Favorite businessmen is that every Every young person should have a good failure in their life. Because I mean he failed miserably when he first set out to become a cartoonist. He had a whole thing that went on when he was like in his early thirties, late twenties. And he came back from that and created one of the most profitable corporations in America, if not the most profitable. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> and up that's there and what yeah. And that's what he said is every young person should have at least one good failure in their life. It's funny that he describes it as good. I think obviously he meant like a large failure. Mm-hmm. It turns out to be good. Like I can easily use my last, you know, stint going through rehab as like getting myself to a place where I'm finally on a career path that I enjoy. But I never would have gotten here if I just kept trucking along through life, miserable, trying to do everything the way that I had done it the day before. There was so much that I learned through that huge huge failure of being a 30-year-old man with next to nothing <laughs> if not nothing and in rehab like that is hard to go through oh my gosh but what's come out of it is something that I wouldn't trade anything for you know so
0: that's what's awesome when you when you pay attention in your failures dude, they become something that you do not regret whatsoever absolutely you do not regret them and that's so important. I think there's that Zen saying that's kind of similar to the Walt Disney saying is Zen master has failed more times than you have even tried. Exactly. And that's, that's what it's all thing. about. And there's nobody, you will meet nobody who's successful at something who hasn't failed multiple times mm-hmm. and gotten back up and learned from their mistakes and kept, and kept pushing forward. Agreed. There is nobody who is successful that you will meet that has not failed many, many times. And we have to continuously remind ourselves of that. And I think that can even be, you know, brought back to relapse. So many people get so down on themselves because, oh, I had a few beers and got kicked out of my Oxford house. Mm. Whatever. Fuck it. I'm just going back at this. Yeah. Who care? I failed anyway. Yeah. And it's so it's so frustrating to me to hear, you know, I had a... A friend that was living in the Oxford house he was there when I first moved in and he moved out and he had a little slip up and I could see it in his face man and I think he's doing good now after I talked to him and I you know encouraged him to talk to his counselor about it and shit but it's just like it's so frustrating because you feel shame and failure and guilt like stop yeah it's fucking fine that you had some beers (laughs) right it's okay just all right, what do you need to work on in order to not fall back into this hole again?
1: Exactly.
0: It's not a big deal. That doesn't mean anything. And I think those AA and NA groups put such an emphasis on clean time. Oh, I know. Clean time as in I stopped now and I have no slip ups to this point. Yeah and That's they a base terrible thing. Everything on it. Everything on those it coins, is. dude. A f- stupid ass yeah, coin or a keychain or yeah. whatever the fuck it is. It's so retarded it, and it keeps you a victim too. It you know? does. It totally does. And I had that discussion with somebody before um not too long ago on this podcast because he went on about the language and I talked about how at first it felt great to say, "Hi, I'm Sean and I'm an addict." Right. It felt great, but eventually yeah eventually i was like this is stupid because i'm so much more than just an addict why am i saying (laughs) this all the time right and i seen that change in me and now it's like i don't i don't even enjoy saying that anymore because right i'm a podcast host i'm a father i'm a
1: and you've addressed that that's mm -hmm. the other thing like okay yeah i'm at i'm an addict also i've done a lot of work on that too Mm -hmm. i mean that should be acknowledged every meeting or whatever you want to call it right mm-hmm. like how much you've done to fix that if you continuously say like i'm an addict what are you working at <laughs> like, i know you're doing all this work but for
0: what if you're still the same thing that you were when you started this whole thing y- like, yeah absolutely absolutely man and it, yeah, it's nuts to me it, it's frustrating to me is really what it is it is because, because
1: people who i think are simple not simple i don't want to use that like not people who need structure and need rules to guide their lives are perfect for those types of programs mm-hmm. because then they have, okay, boom, 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 here are the steps. This is what I need to do, and I'm going to do it, and it's going to work, and it will work guaranteed it's worked for thousands of people yeah but where I run into the biggest problem with that is it's not for everyone you make these blanket statements that it's going to help everyone and it it won't there no. are people that will not be helped from 12-step programs
0: no not at all I really wasn't helped by them mm-hmm. there's some awesome concepts in there just like in Christianity that I can pull some things sure, out yeah and apply to my life mm-hmm. and it makes my life better Absolutely. And I've learned something, but yeah. to sit there for me to foul, start at step one, have somebody walk with me through it, tell me I can't talk to people and apologize to people till I get to that step. Can't I can't handle that. No, it's like, ah, I don't think so, buddy. Not gonna, <laughs> not gonna work for everyone. And that's where I, I
1: run into the biggest I think the only time I've ever really argued with people in that program because you can't reach them you know what i mean like they're so in their own headspace and like living in this echo chamber where they're always right that you can't like arguing with them is fruitless but the only time that i have in the past i think is just to try and demonstrate to them that it's great that it worked for you and it's great that it works for all of your friends because you've now isolated yourself to that Mm -hmm. group of people that's beside the point but there are people that need something else other than that. Absolutely. And they just don't give any credibility. You know, they like to, like, down-talk MAT and doctors and therapy and oh just stuff gosh. that helps probably, I would say, as many if not more people than are helped in 12-step
0: program. Oh, absolutely does. Yeah, I mean, we know a few of them personally that are in really involved in the AA, and they are just, they do, I mean, to this day, looking at my record – of how successful I've been since my arrest and rehabs, they still will think in their heads that I am lost and need to be saved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> funny. And
1: it's hard to maintain a friendship with them, mm-hmm. too, because it's like, dude, some of the shit that comes out of your mouth is <laughs> is super stupid. And I just, I don't know if I can be around you. Oh my So gosh. I've had to distance myself from quite a few of them. I,
0: I have, too. I definitely have. I mean, I have one friend that you know that... You know, just recently, I guess I don't know if I call him a friend, so that blocked me Mm -hmm. and isn't talking to me anymore. And I could see his downward spiral, his mental health go down. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard rumors of him going and, you know, abusing benzos. And this other friend who's really involved in AA is like, he's doing good. You know, we all just are going through what we're going (laughs) through. I'm like, bro, you're (laughs) clueless. I told him the other day because he said he sounded good to me. And I was like, dude, but he's not. (laughs) He's not doing good. There's a lot of people who are worried about him. Right. And this goes way outside of Oxford House gossip. Right. Right. Of course. (laughs) Like, he's not doing good. I don't know, you know, what kind of what doing good is to you. Like, I don't know if like in AA and NA, that's a thing where when you're doing really bad, that means you're about to do really good or something. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. (laughs) But I was like, I don't know. is at the perfect spot on his journey. Yeah. really come. For a breakthrough it's just it's great it is great i'm just like oh my gosh there's so much so much work to be done yet i guess in all of this i just really want open-mindedness and it's yeah. tough when you're around somebody who's closed-minded and yes know, the way that worked for me is the way right the only way yeah exactly
1: and that's where you have to maintain an open mind because it's so individual it's so different for every single person who's going to struggle with addiction there's so many nuances between just the difference between our addictions ours mm-hmm. are similar like we have a similar story i guess you could say but they're still so separate and so different that they need a different approach for both of us you yeah know? every and little detail if you think about how different the next addict is going to be from me or you. Like, you know, I didn't ever spend time in jail or homeless. You know what I mean? So just throw those two little weird nuances in there and you have a whole new treatment mm-hmm. plan that you have to come up with. So it's just, it doesn't leave any room for individuality. And that's a hundred percent necessary today. Oh
0: my gosh. For anything in life. Cause there are like, you get a huge group of people. There are You can pick out generalizations. Absolutely. And you can pick out character traits that, you know, these groups of people will have that are similar and different, maybe different defense mechanisms that generally addicts will use and different ways of manipulating. And and those are all cool because that's where you need to start Mm. to start gaining traction and direction. But then you get into, you know, one thing my father could have said to me when I was seven years old Mm -hmm. means that you have to do something completely different with me Than this guy next to me whose parents did something totally different and affected them in a totally different way, which means they're going to react to what you're doing with them in a totally different way. Right. And it's such a huge thing. And that's why it takes so much time and patience and working with individuals one-on-one. All right, what's going to work for you? Right. And that's why you have recovery coaches, therapists, doctors, I mean... The yeah. list goes on, counselors, and you're working with all these people to find out what is going to work for you in right. your recovery, in your path, on your journey. And that goes with anybody who is looking for self-help, not even addicts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: I just, on um, you mentioned recovery coaching, just to plug that, I feel like I have gained so much from working with um tara was like my first recovery Mm -hmm. coach and then abby now is my recovery coach and uh both amazing people and also they're is something completely different that I gain from meeting with my recovery coach than what I get from going to a counseling mm. session and you couple those two things with my medications that I'm on and then seeing you know doctors who are professionals who are trained in the area of addiction medicine that for me is my entire treatment program and it looks very different for me than it does for anyone else but having like so the way it ends up working out for me is that I end up seeing someone at least once a week who has more experience more knowledge more um, ways that they can help me than anyone else that I could meet anyway I totally lost my train of thought
0: there your recovery coach your doctor coach, therapist, blah, blah, blah. Counselor. it's
1: my treatment program there that's it that's all I had that's all I was trying to say
0: but no, it is super, super important. One of the biggest things I loved, and it was awesome, and I thought some people when I was taking my recovery coach classes were just going to quit because right. first thing they take and bring to the table for you is you have to get the your way. There's only one way to recovery out of your head. Yeah. And there was a couple people that are totally involved in AA and NA that were there. And they struggled for a little bit. They pulled through. They really got, I was really pumped up to see it because it made me kind of encouraged to not just throw all of them to the side and think Mm -hmm. they're always going to be the one-way kind of thinking. But, I mean, they admitted I struggled with this in the beginning because, you know, the multiple pathway thing. Mm -hmm. Somebody who smokes pot every every couple days but stopped using heroin, has a job, is working hard, making good money, is in recovery. (laughs) <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's like they struggled with that for a little bit, but it was cool to see people kind of be able to be swayed in a different way. Like, oh, yeah, maybe they got a point. But I love that, that that was the first thing, really, that was pushed. Listen, if you are coming in here thinking that your way is the only way, then you might as well just leave now because there is, that's not just, it's simply not true.
1: No, absolutely.
0: There are so many different ways to be in, in quotes, recovery. Mm. And whatever, and I've, I mean, I've preached that my really my whole life about anything as far as working on yourself and becoming a better person, whether it was theologies or whatever, whatever is helping you change and fix the things in yourself, whatever's helping you do that and grow is what works for you. And that's your way of living, and that's the way you should do things.
1: Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that's where having a recovery coach who there are things that I'll tell my recovery coach that it's not that I would try to hide them from my counselor, but I just feel like it's more appropriate, I guess, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Like there's things that I just wouldn't waste my time telling Abby because I've already talked through it with with Aaron, my counselor, you know. So. I don't know. It's just there's so many little things like that that I have set up in my life today that prior to my relapse, I didn't have any of them set up. And keeping those in place is huge for me. Like that's what's going to keep me going forward and going to keep me from becoming complacent. So like, I mean, I've been struggling actually over the last week to get it in touch or get a a session with Abby just because she's been out of town and now I'm going you know away for the weekend but Mm -hmm. always coming back to that and making sure that I don't get a case of you know what screw this it's not even worth the trouble it's already been however many days since I've you know talked to her or whatever so why bother now that attitude has to just stay out of my mind because it's always worth it to come back and continue to develop and work through whatever it is that you were continuing or whatever it is that you started to Mm -hmm. work on, you
0: know, it's huge, baby, huge, constantly talking about things. And it gets so difficult to, to uphold that though. Sometimes man. Oh, absolutely. It is so funny how easy it is to just clam up. Yeah. And just be like, Oh,
1: you know what? I've done so much work. I deserve just a little bit of time to like, not Mm -hmm. do that.
0: Oh, it's so crazy. And then that you can like, be doing it and not even notice it till you like you're in the middle of doing it. Right, right. Yeah, like it's even crazy. Th- even what's kind of the situation between Christina and I right now, it's so hard. I have to just tell her like I'm becoming apathetic mm-hmm. and she's like, well, because you're becoming apathetic, it makes me feel like crap being around you and I don't want to be around you. <laughs> right. And, you so know, and it's circle, so and I was yeah. like, oh, this is quite the enigma. But it was talking about it that broke and shattered all of that within. And this was through text. Right. Like this wasn't even a deep conversation we got together and had. It was just a quick, you know, hey, listen, this is what I'm feeling. Hey, listen, this is how I'm feeling. Right. All right. Well, let's work on these two things. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just so simple. And it's just how crazy how just saying those things can refresh your attitude in life.
1: Because it's so easy. And let's keep on that example. It would be so much easier just to be like, you know what? I'm apathetic, so fuck it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I'm walking away from it. And then once you throw that into the atmosphere and you put that on to Christine or whatever, it's so easy for her to be like, okay, that's what we're doing then. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And where you could have talked about it and you could have worked it out and continued working in what is apparently a great relationship, right? Mm -hmm. You could have kept developing it, kept working on it. Now you've thrown it away because... You decided to clam up and not talk about it. You decided to take this one time, you decided to take the easy route and say, you know, go F yourself or whatever. Now you've taken whatever possibilities are in the future for you guys and just totally taken it off your table, you know? That sucks.
0: Because of such some, something so simple. It really was right. a simple thing. Right. And it's just it's amazing. And something else I've really have really tried and struggled recently to come to terms with is how so many people, and again, this kind of is related to the whole, we all grew up differently. So we all react differently. We all treat, you know, situations differently is how when you're in like a, a situation, I have a habit of putting myself in people's shoes and you being like, but if I was doing it this way, I would do it this way. If I was in your position, I would do it this way. That's what I meant to say. So if I was in your position in your shoes, I would be reacting to this situation this way. Mm-hmm. You're not reacting to this situation this way. So this must mean that. Right. And like, as in, you're not reacting to it the way I would. So maybe you don't care as much about this as I do. Sure. And you start telling yourself these stories. And the, But the one thing I started like saying, and it sounds super cheesy, mm-hmm. is the story I'm telling myself is this, is you don't want to pay attention to me, is you don't want to that you don't love me. And it sounds super cheesy to say that, but it really makes a world of difference when you're trying to communicate with somebody. And it's like, hey, Matt, the story that I'm telling myself right now, it sounds so cheesy, but is when you did this means you don't like me or you, you think I'm a piece of shit or whatever it is. And that right there is like, when you say it in that way to somebody, as in, man, what the fuck? You're an asshole. Why'd you do that? Exactly. <laughs> way completely, better. It's completely different. Far. And
1: I will probably react to the first way, where you're just trying to convey that this is how I perceived what you did. hmm Let's talk about it. As opposed to, you suck because you did this. You know what I mean? Completely like, different. I'm going to react in two very different ways to to that. And you're now addressing the same situation. So you're going to get better and better outcomes in your life. And maybe, yeah, so it sounds cheesy, but maybe you can find a better way to word it. You Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you don't have to say it in that way, but just, you know, when you did this, it made me feel as though X, Y, Z, you know, that is something that I'll do a lot um you know with in my intimate relationships or you know in my one-on-one relationship with with Megan like a lot of times i will perceive her actions as one way when really th- she was motivated by something totally different and that's the reason mm-hmm. that she did whatever it was um so yeah i think calling those things out and doing it i guess it's kind of doing it in a non-confrontational manner you know it
0: is and it really i think it immediately as opposed to like, the latter way I said it would have put you in defense mode. Yeah. I'm going to defend myself now because I didn't mean it like that, and now you think I'm an asshole, so fuck you. You're an asshole. Right. And as opposed to saying it in the former way, you're like, oh, shit, I made him feel bad. No, dude, those weren't my intentions at all. Exactly. I did not make you want to make you feel this way. And it's crazy the difference that can make in communication. It's huge. Mm-hmm. It's important. Every relationship you have, especially more intimate ones with your significant other and it's such a necessary component because there's so many times and more and more I observe and am really looking at situations where people are having breakdowns in their relationships it has to do with a lack of communication yeah and a lack of understanding that each and every one of us handles situations and reacts to situations differently and even to swing it back to the beginning of this conversation about how You know, there's multiple pathways of recovery and we all can kind of we all have to pay attention and put the work and effort in to ourselves of how am I going to get through this? What is going to work for me? And I think that's the number one thing to pull away from things because, I mean, in general, put put addiction aside, put substance use disorder aside, like life is difficult enough. People have enough issues. I'm realizing this more and more that Mm -hmm. there's growing ass people who have never struggled with a drug in their life that are really annoying, terribly, terrible people who don't work on themselves at all. They're completely selfish, self-centered, egocentric, yeah, dysfunctional. And I just feel like it's people don't change, man. People don't want to change. And that's like the number one thing to starting building like an awesome, hey, I'm happy kind of life is that communication. Yeah. And self talk, because that's another topic we touched on. And that's huge. All of those are huge to progressing in our existence on this planet. Mm-hmm. I think my new slogan is instead of through an annex eyes for the world to see, is if you better yourself, you can better the world. Mm. That's where you got to start. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing you can do. Literally the <laughs> only thing you can actually do. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you better yourself, you better. Look. That's how I started with this journey of introspection and working on myself. Was mm-hmm. I just remember realizing my mid twenties, and this was even before my heroin addiction. Mm. Was the only way I can help change the universe is if I work at myself. True that, and that's right. But you need that good self talk if you're going to do that. Because I'll tell mm. you what when you start pulling things out that you suck at, you better have some self-compassion and accept (laughs) (laughs) it. Absolutely, that That was one of my biggest things. I had none of that. And I was like, damn, you are a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. All right, Matthew. It's been fun. It's uh, another one. More technical difficulties. I'm going home and going to start figuring this out. Just
1: edit the crap out of it.
0: I, I always do. (laughs) You won't even know that happened, other than if I keep what I just said in. Right. But, yeah, we'll figure this out. It's been fun. I know it's no longer the audio hardware.
1: All right. Mm -hmm. Have a great
0: night, everyone. I'm Rob Burgundy. (laughs) Okay, everybody, hope you enjoyed that episode of Room 9. As I mentioned, that was one from the vaults. I hope you guys continue to show your love and your support i can't thank you enough for it hope you guys have a great week a reminder to get to the new and improved room9podcast.com check out everything on there a new blog is up on self-pity get to the contact form get to the support page to see how you can help us out and i hope you guys have a great week much love as always thank you guys for your encouragement and support and love and I cannot wait to talk to you next week and let you know what's going on so stay positive stay strong stay encouraged stay in self-love stay in self-acceptance I will be talking to you guys later peace out